Greetings, Word Horde. We're here with an exciting option for you, a version of our podcast without any ads. That's right. No advertising interruptions, just the content you love, ready to go in your favorite podcast apps like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's another way to support the show, ensuring that we keep bringing you the word stories and language explorations that you love. Try it at waywardradio.org slash adfree. And it's affordable. For just a small subscription fee, you can enjoy Away With Words uninterrupted, except by us. Plus, it makes a great gift. Know somebody who loves language as much as you do? Give them the gift of words. Easy to sign up, easy to enjoy. It's the same Away With Words, just streamlined for your listening pleasure. Go to waywardradio.org slash adfree. Support us, support the show, and enjoy an ad-free listening experience. waywardradio.org slash adfree. Thank you. You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Martha Barnett. And I'm Grant Barrett. Martha, when I look back over the last 10 years or so, I can see a lot of new English. For me, all of this new language, this new English, illustrates the major themes that we've been living with. For example, 10 years ago, did you Google anything? Um, uh, Maybe you yahooed it or alta vista it. Yeah, I think I did, dogpiled it. You dogpiled it. There we go. And 10 years ago, did you know what a hanging chad was? I had no idea. I would have <laughs> yeah, guessed but, it was some kind of fruit or something. I mean, I mean, there were a lot of terms that came out of the, the big fiasco of the 2000 presidential election. But I right. think hanging chad is kind of a, a great emblem for that whole big mess, don't you? Yeah, yeah. That sums it up right there. <laughs> and how about this? How about social networking? Now that's a new one. I mean, yeah, in yeah. The last five Friendster, years or Facebook, so, right? MySpace. Well, that stuff really was not on anybody's radar at the time, or at least nobody, most of us didn't know about Facebook. It didn't exist, right? Right. And I remember when those nouns started to become verbs and how striking that was at the time. That's a true sign that a word has been adopted into the language. And mm-hmm. if it takes 10 years to do it, we can look back retrospectively and say, you know, Google's probably going to stick around for a little while longer, right? As, right. as a verb? A verb with a small g. It's like the Xerox of our decade. Yes. Well, we invite you to submit your words of the decade to us. Let us know the language that you think characterized the last 10 years. What is like the one word or a few words or the the phrase that really encapsulates the feelings, the passions, the emotions, the the trends of politics or technology or even war or culture? Uh, Let us know. Send an email to words at waywardradio.org or send it to us on Twitter at the username wayward. Hello. You have a way with words. Hello. This is Carmen calling from Roy City, Texas. Hi, Carmen. Hi, Carmen. Welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. What can we do for you? Um, well, I had a question. Um, I've heard this expression several times. I understand what it means, but I would like to know where it comes from. What's the history behind it? Um, it's minding your P's and Q's. Minding your P's and Q's. Now, where have you heard that, Carmen? Um, I've heard people mention it like when somebody was getting out of line or, you know, making you know, acting, you know, behaving in a way it shouldn't be right. You know, they say, hey, mind your P's and Q's. Mm-hmm. Why P's and Q's? Why P's and Q's, right. Well, let me ask you something, Carmen. Is English your first language? No, it's not. Ah, and your first language is? Um, Spanish. Ah, Spanish, okay. Spain mm-hmm. Spanish or Latin American yes. Spanish? No, Spain Spanish. Um, I'm native of Barcelona, Spain. Okay. Yeah, you said it a little bit like Penelope. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Except I think yeah. I hear a bit of a Texas accent in there, too. Have you been I in Texas? I've been here for 20 years, so oh, you know, I'm hoping okay. something What a nice bigger. combination that is. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Well, I was going to say that... Um, As far as mind your P's and Q's go, don't feel bad because native speakers of English are just as puzzled as you are. The truth is we don't know where this expression comes from. No idea. 400 years on the record and nobody knows. Right. Seriously. That's interesting. Yeah. And a lot of people think they know the origin. There have been all kinds of stories floating around, but not a single one of them has ever turned out to be the definitive etymology. Some people have talked about back in the days of printing when you used individual little pieces of type to print things that printers were told to distinguish between the P's and the Q's because they those letters look so similar. But you'd have to wonder, for one thing, why they weren't told to distinguish between the 
P's and the Q's and the D's and the B's. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, because exactly. they, all, they all look alike. There's another story about um, in taverns, people would chalk, the bartender would chalk up um, P's and Q's, meaning pints and quarts, to keep track of how much the patrons had been drinking. Who drinks a quart of beer at a time? <laughs> or a quart of gin, <laughs> for that for matter. yourself, Grant. Speak okay. No, but... but um, there have been so many other stories that I won't even go that, into. That it but, might come from French, and it might come yeah, from this, and it might come or from nautical that. origins, all Let, this. But uh, let's just round them knows. all up and say fooey. I'm wondering, Carmen, is there something analogous in Spanish? I mean, I know there's an expression that means to dot your eyes, but is, is there anything like this in Spanish? Well, I mean, it's interesting for a non-native speaker. What I found with the language that is more more challenging is not so much speaking it correctly. For the most part, you know, most people can get away with that. But it's the expressions, mm-hmm. is the, the mm-hmm. slang that really gets you. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, first time I started working, I was working in an office. Our tables were really close to the to the entrance, and one day I came in, and apparently I didn't close the door all the way. And somebody looked back and said, "Are you born in a barn?" And I thought, man, what an odd thing to ask. You know, no. Okay. So I will close the door. And after a whole, I mean, the whole day I kept thinking, that was the weirdest exchange of information I've ever had with anybody. You know, so things like that, you know, really happen all the time. There's some other expressions, even though you understand what they mean, Mm -hmm. for somebody that hasn't heard them all their life, they can be right down gory. Like, Mm. you know, I want to pick your brain. Uh, or, yeah. you know, keep an eye out. Those, you know, I understand what I mean, but, you know, the visuals that you get when you're not, you haven't grown with those. So there's a lot of expressions that are similar, but the, the funny thing is when you translate them, they completely, they, they, they look so different from each point of view. Like in English, you have that, you know, people um, get on your nerves when mm-hmm. you don't like them. Uh-huh. In Spanish, if I translate the Spanish translation um, expression straight into English, is somebody falls on you fat makes no sense to you guys but it comes to be like the same thing they suffocate you when it comes to you know they fall on you fat yes what is the spanish um me caen gordos (laughs) (laughs) you know now you say that in spanish to to somebody in spain they completely understand right away what you mean Uh and i guess you know it comes from somebody will sit on your chest like that you know suffocate you just the feeling you get with people that get on your nerves sure that's fantastic so there's there's a lot of that going on i've i've got most of them you know, people will make saying expressions in front of me, and I can understand them. You know, I can even use it myself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I get them a little mixed up. But that one, that P's and Q's, you know, first time I heard it, it's like, why a P and why a Q? Exactly. You know, Carmen, it, it, it was... we have no idea. Sorry about that. But I got to tell you, <laughs> that, you are okay. the most entertaining person I've talked to in a long time. <laughs> oh, no problem. <laughs> and your English is exquisite, so don't worry about it at all. Oh, thank you very much. Well, Carmen, thank you so much for giving us a call today. Thank you, guys. Okay, Take ciao. care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Are you a foreign speaker of English? Is there an idiom that has you stumped? We'll help you with it. Or not. (laughs) Or not. But we'd love to talk about it. (laughs) 1-877-929-9673 or send an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, my name's Lisa and I'm from Groton, Connecticut. Hello, Lisa. Welcome. Hi, Lisa. Hi. So I heard a phrase in a movie or actually two places, a movie and a show, and I was wondering what it meant. Um, The first place I heard it was in the movie In Her Shoes, um, and the character says, I don't know what to wear to a mainline wedding. Mm -hmm. And so the first time I heard it, I didn't really think much of it. I just thought it meant, I thought it was perhaps maybe a family name or something like that. Hmm. So the second time I heard it was on a TV show, um, and it's my favorite TV show, Mad Men, uh-huh. and it was in the season finale, and um, it's a pivotal moment in the show. He's arguing with his wife, and um, he calls her a mainline brat. <laughs> uh-huh. So then I thought, well, it must mean something entirely different. <laughs> so I was wondering if you could help me with that. Yeah, so in Mad Men, this is a show about the advertising business in New York City in the 1960s. Who who were the characters that were arguing? Oh, I'm sorry. It was um, Don Draper, the main character, and his wife, Betty Draper. And do you know anything about Betty Draper's background, where she's supposed to be from? Um, I can't remember, like, where she's supposed to be from, but just now, that she's from, like, a wealthy, you know, well-to-do family. Okay, that's, mm-hmm. a good, that's good information. And now the movie was In Her Shoes. I don't think I know that movie. What's, what's the background? Where is that set? That one's set in um, Philadelphia and slash Florida. Um, 
that's with uh, Tony Collette and um, Cameron Diaz and their sisters. Ah, uh, okay, okay. It's ringing some bells now. Um, <laughs> all right, so yeah, this is interesting. So a madman, he called Don calls Betty a mainline brat. And it's not right. a nice thing to say, right? No, no. And <laughs> she's from a wealthy background. So right. we've got we've got just enough information here to figure out exactly what they meant. It mm-hmm. turns out. That mainline, and everyone in Philadelphia is going, yes, yes. That mainline is the name of a neighborhood in Philadelphia. And it runs from Marion to Bryn Mawr to Paoli. And it's through which the uh, main line of the Pennsylvania Railroad ran. It's a ritzy neighborhood. It's Shishi, it's Tony, whatever you want to call it. And so if a mainline brat uh, goes to a mainline wedding, it's one rich, spoiled person going to a very fancy affair. And so oh. mainline. Uh, which is the name of this neighborhood, became kind of generic to mean ritzy or fancy or, or Tony or somehow involving money or prestige or elitism. Oh, okay. So I guess Betty Draper must be from <laughs> from that yeah. neighborhood, too. Yeah. I can't yeah. remember, though. I can't remember where she's from. They give so much information in that show. It's like, it's yeah. coming at you all the time. Yeah, right. Didn't lo- she go to Bryn Mawr in the show? Probably. Yeah. I can't remember where she's from. That's interesting. Yeah. And I should say, for the record, it has nothing to do with mainlining drugs. <laughs> yeah, just in I, case you were wondering. <laughs> just in case you were It's not about shooting up. Yeah, that's what it says. That's the only thing I could find on the Internet. So, so, Lisa, you must have an ear for this stuff, that you picked out this one expression, Mainline, which is kind of bland yeah, out of two different, two different shows. Have you oh, noticed yeah. Philadelphia? Very good. I guess I do. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Well, there, the, well, there's your answer. Well, it's thank just, you very yeah, much. I'm surprised. You, it's actually a place, so that's good to know. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Cool. Thank All you right. for calling. <laughs> thank you. Take Best care. Bye-bye. 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 Well, have you heard something on your favorite TV show that has you scratching your head? Give us a call, one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or email us. That address is words at waywardradio.org. Martha, besides the word of the decade, it's also time to collect nominations for the word of the year for 2009. And I've got a long list of them here, and a couple of these are just kind of leaping out at me as as good contenders. What do you think about Dracula Sneeze? I love Dracula Sneeze. I would really like to popularize that one. Here in California, they're actually recommending that. It's it, you'll, you'll officials talk about this. This is instead of putting your hand over your face when you sneeze, you put your arm over your face. That way, you're not spreading the germs later that land on your hand, right? <laughs> and then you say, "Bwah!" Ah, 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 well, yeah, yeah, because it's just like it's just like the count holding his cape up to his to his face. Yeah, right? I love kind, that. Kind of hiding on the uh, one that I particularly like, just because it's kind of ironic. Although it's it's not really new to this year, is Government Motors, and this is a nickname for General Motors because it took so much government money during the automotive bailout. So it's a, it's a joke. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, and then what do you know about un unbium, or is it un unbium? Un unbium is that when you stop taking ambien? <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's different from from unobtainium. <laughs> no, un unbium is a newly found element. They have a list of generic element names oh, that they really? kind of hold in reserve. Yeah, so oh, really? that they already know what they're temporarily going to call the next newly found element, and this is it. They haven't come up with a permanent name yet, but the abbreviation is capital U, lowercase u, B. U-U-B. Really? No yeah. kidding. So they name them like hurricanes, mm-hmm. only more esoterically. If you've got a word of the year or a word of the decade candidate, let us know. We'll talk about them on a future show. You can send them to words at waywardradio.org or send them to us on Twitter at the username wayward, W-A-Y-W-O-R-D. Coming up, let your word freak flag fly. Will this week's word quiz be a breeze? Stay tuned. You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Martha Barnett. And I'm Grant Barrett, and we're joined now by our quiz guy, John Chinesky. Hello, John. Hi, Grant. Hi, Martha. Hello, How are you up to? Oh, you know, 6'5", just about that, yeah. That's really? 6'5"? Yeah. A six big five. man, are we? You're are taller we big... than Lincoln. Yeah. I'm taller than Lincoln. was 6'4", that's correct, yeah. yeah. Take off those heels. What do you have in your puzzle bag? <laughs> well, you know, I, I just want to tell you guys, um, you might find this interesting. Instead of watching CNN, I prefer LNN. LNN. Uh, that's the uh, Limerick News Network. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, sure. Their, their slogan is, if the news is bad, it could be verse. <laughs> oh, man. No. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. You know, I'll, I'll give you a limerick about some event that occurred in 2009, 
And I'll leave off the last word or two. You got to come up with the correct rhyme. How's that? Okay. 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 Let's try it. Let's see how it goes. Okay. Let's see how it goes. All right. Here's the first. Now Obama's in office and leads, though he's still hard at work on his deeds. He's improved relations with several nations. Heck, he got a big prize from the <laughs> Swedes. <laughs> Swedes is right. Because he won the Nobel Prize, right? He did win the Nobel Prize yeah. from the Swedes, yes. So that's our first. What would you think? Yeah, like great. It. So far, I so like yeah. it. Uh-huh. Better, so better far, to so rhyme good. it with Swedes than Thorberg Thinkerwonken <laughs> or whatever his name is, right? Exactly. Okay, here's the next. NASA really put on a great show. A new lunar crater did blow. To the glee of mankind, the rocket did find that the moon contains much... Water below. H2O. H2O, much better. Water below. I'll take them both. Water below, sure. It was near the poles, I think, that they did find the water. But H2O is correct, Martha. One for you. All right, let's do another. Singers, some scandal did spawn. They could stand to be much more withdrawn. Say, did you happen to see the awards on TV when Taylor was dissed by rude... <laughs> Kanye. Kanye. <laughs> That's right. My, yeah. my, and if my, I never hear somebody say, I'm going to let you finish, but I just wanted to say <laughs> one more time, you know, if I, I know. never hear that again, I'll be happy. I know. I know. I will recommend, though, I've been using it as a knock knock joke. Knock knock. Who's, Who's there? there? Kanye West. Kanye West. Now, just a second here. I'm going to let you finish. I just want to say <laughs> one thing. Okay. <laughs> That's like the interrupting cow. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, move on to the next limerick. Now, you guys know in the NPL we actually have puzzles we call WNFR puzzles. WNFR, we never finish reading. They're, they're puzzles that from the very first line you can pretty much tell what the answer is going to be. And I have oh, a feeling okay. this limerick might be one of them. Here okay. we go. All right. Though lots of New Yorkers were laid off. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to you live from WNFR. <laughs> WNFR. <laughs> Go Though ahead not, and finish. Oh, here we go. Though lots of New Yorkers were laid off, it really was more of a trade-off. If you haven't got squat, then you surely have not lost your savings to... Bernie Madoff. Bernie, Bernie L. Madoff. That's right. Very good. <laughs> this next one's a little more on a little more positive note. I think you'll like it. While 143 quiver, neither pilot nor co-pilot shiver, <laughs> Sully did shine... Flight 1549 landed safe on the cold Hudson River. River. Hudson River, very good. Very nice. Here's the next. From Canada to Argentina, the talk of the tennis arena was a heated death threat against a ref. Now I'll bet that you know (laughs) that the answers... Serena. Serena's right. Very nice. Thank you. Hardly, nice. hardly serene to be Serena sometimes, she, I'm she sure. She wasn't at that point, no. No, no. But that was, that was a good get. Good get. Okay, here's the last one. The limericks almost are done. The year was sure wacky and fun. Well, <coughs> maybe not. It seems that I've caught a touch of the... <laughs> H1N1. H1N1, that's also known right. Also the Heine flu. The Heine flu, that I haven't heard. But that's good. You guys did fantastic on the limericks. Uh, I'll tell you what uh, what network you can find the uh, the limerick news network on. I'm sure you're going to want to get on there right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do these run across the bottom of the screen? Yes, they do. Yes, nice, they do. You know? Five lines at a time. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Five, yeah, they were good. Great stuff, John. Good. Limericks, Thank you very as much. Yeah. It was a lot Thanks of fun. Thanks a lot, John. Bye. Well, if you have a question about wordplay or language or grammar or slang or regional dialects or limericks, call us one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three. That's one eight seven seven wayward or send an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hello, my name is Joe St. Marie, and I'm from calling from Jericho, Vermont. And I have a question about a couple dog sledding terms that I use. Um, Wait, and that, they you are, use? that you that use? That I use. You're a are dog sledder. You, yeah. I am. Are you on a dog sled right now? If you're not, don't tell us, okay, because I I, really (laughs) want to picture this. You're on the dog sled. You're talking to us, right? You dialed us up. I I am. I've dialed you up. The wind is in your hair. (laughs) That's right. This is great. You're looking at, what, 12 dog butts, right? (laughs) Right. That's right. And you thought of us. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. (laughs) What kind of dogs, Joe? Well, I have actually um, Siberian Huskies. Mm -hmm. That's what I use. Actually, I have... 
one border collie that's on my team. Uh-huh. So, um, so he's a little bit different, but uh, yeah, everybody else looks pretty similar. So this is great. And so, do you do this for sport or to uh, go get the um, mail or what? Well, it actually started as a hobby for me uh-huh. um, about twelve years ago, and um, it has now become sort of a part-time job as well. I take people out on tours and kind of give them the ropes. And I also do educational programs where I go to schools and talk about the history and, and um, you know, let the kids play with the dog okay. and all that sort of thing. All right. Yeah. That's great. Okay, well, so pull over. And- yeah, <laughs> pull over. Okay. And what can we do for you? Yeah, how can we help? Well, the words are that I've, I'm calling about are what we use to – to tell the dogs to go right or left, mm-hmm. and they are G and Ha, mm-hmm. um, and respectively, G is right and and Ha is left. My theory actually is is that it's about phonetics, and that it has to do with because right and left end with a hard T, that it's a lot easier for the dogs to distinguish between G which is like in a long E in the ah from ha. So I'm not sure how that evolution came, but that's my that's my theory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not a bad so, one. Not a bad one at all. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. I have one other question for you. What do you say when you want them to stop? Whoa. Whoa. Okay, so you have G-ha whoa. and whoa. Yeah. And yep. Uh, but, you know, they, they won't stop um, very, very uh, willingly. You actually... Have to. There is a brake on the sled, so you're applying some pressure on the brake as well. So um, they're they're very well trained, so they know kind of what's going on with with all those elements. But um, but woe is the term that's, okay. uh, that's given. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Well, yeah. I think that your theory is as plausible as anything I've seen. I don't know that we know that much about these terms etymologically, except that I uh-huh. know that G goes back to at least the early 1600s, and there uh-huh. was an earlier form of that re, um, which seems to have died out pretty quickly. But I think you're uh-huh. right that that the dogs don't care about those final consonants. And and also right, it should right. be said that that these terms go back to just work animals, uh, yeah. horses and, exactly. and oxen the on the draft farm. Animals, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Draft animals. I, so I've, I've encountered several um, equine folks along the way that have said, "Oh, well, that's what we use for our horses." So. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm, exactly uh-huh. right. They, they, yeah. they at a t- there was a time though that they were by no means universal. There'd been a wide variety of other terms that'd been used to mean left, right, and stop. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but I think as long as you and the dogs know what it means, then then you're okay, right? I mean, right. you didn't have to sure, didn't have to have a universal term for that. Hey, Joe, I forgot to ask you one other question. I mean, what do you say sure. when you want them to get going? Do you say mush or giddy up or? Um, well, I, I use uh, let's go or hike. Hike is another term that's, hike. that's used. Interesting. Yeah, well, start. Yeah. That's interesting because they're all different vowels, right? E, A, O, right. and I. And vowels that exactly. can be uh, very elongated. Mm-hmm. So you, so mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I like great. your theory, Joe. Grant, do you have a different one? I, th- I think it's a sound one. I think <laughs> we, we find throughout English, yeah, I think throughout English <laughs> we find that uh, commands are always short, sharp, and easy to understand. Right. Well, cool, Joe. I got to thank you for sharing all your background with us. I didn't know this. Yeah, all I knew about dog sledding us. was from Jack London, which I, I guess I could do worse, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I was happy to call. All right, thank well, you, thank sir. Thank you very hope, much. hope we helped you some. Okay, no problem. Thank you very all much. Right. Bye-bye. 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 Is there an everyday term that you have that you're mystified about? Give us a ring, one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or send an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Beverly calling from uh, Midlothian, Texas. Hello, Beverly. Welcome. Hi, Beverly. Hi. <laughs> What's I can't going on? This. You can't believe what? I found your station by accident. I drive a truck for a living, and I've I've run into it twice out on the road. Just because of, of, the, of what I do, I'm not in an area very long, and I lose the reception. So I, to find it, have, to have found it twice, I'm such a word nerd, I just loved it. Excellent. <laughs> a word nerd and a truck driver. What are you hauling? Just about everything under the sun, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I drive an 18-wheel truck. Oh, how cool. Well, glad to help. What can we do for you today? 
Well, years ago, um, I worked in a retail kind of uh, venue, and, um, well, it was. It was the military's PX system. Mm-hmm. I was the manager at the cashier, at the checkout. And a woman came through my line, and um, I rang up all of her things, and then when I was giving her a change back, she said that she wanted a case quarter. And I thought she wanted like a roll of quarters, so I was directing her back to the cashier's area uh, where she could get, you know, change or whatever she wanted. And she got kind of angry with me that she kept saying, she said, no, I just want a case quarter. And I said, I, you know, I'm not really sure what you're talking about. And she just kept getting angrier and angrier. And later on, I, you know, after she tried to calm down a little bit, I guess, she kind of explained to me what that was. Have you ever heard that term before? Case quarter, and you're spelling that C-A-S-E quarter? That's what I assumed. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I've, I know it from my reading, but it's not something that uh, my family ever used. I had never heard it before or since. I'm from Southern California, from the Huntington Beach area. She, she sounded to me like she was from the South, so I mm-hmm. thought maybe it was a Southern kind of thing mm-hmm. that they put out. So what did you hear about it? I don't know where I was reading it, perhaps in Faulkner or Zora Neale Hurston or someplace like that, because this term is so closely allied with the South, uh, the, the two Carolinas, North and South Carolina in particular, mm-hmm. but it's also popped up in Georgia and, and Tennessee and Kentucky and here and there. And it's well, really I was in Arizona at the time. <laughs> oh, were you now? And the person yeah. on the other side of the counter was young or old, black or white? She seemed to me like she was probably mid-20s at the time. And she, she was a, a black woman, a white woman? She was a black woman. Okay, uh-huh. yeah, that's why I asked, because it's one of those terms that's so closely allied with the the speech of black Americans, at, at least in the last few decades. Uh, uh-huh. Although it, di- it didn't start out that way, most of the authorities that you ask about this question will tell you that it probably comes from an older word, caser, C-A-S-E-R, which meant a crown, which is a type of British coin worth about five shillings. Um, and uh, that in she turn, never knew that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, probably not. That's the way of language. We often don't know the roots of the words that we speak right. every day. And caser in turn probably came from an old Yiddish word, which also meant the same thing, a, a crown. And so the the idea here is that this word caser was shortened to case, and it's had an interesting life. For example, have you ever heard of the game Pharaoh, F-A-R-O? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a kind of oh, card no, it's game. Played, I have heard of it. Yeah, it's a kind of card game. In, in that game, I believe this lingo is still used. It was as of the 1970s. Case money or case dough is the last money that you have to bet. It's the very last. And also in that game, um, a case card is the fourth and last of any denomination, for example, uh, of a card that you might draw. For example, if you draw the last ace, that's the case ace. And so we have a couple different kind of connecting paths here where this caser comes in for money and you get this idea from gambling where it refers to the very last of something or the definitive one of it. In any case, just to clarify here, a case quarter means that you have an actual quarter with Washington on it and not five nickels, right? What I finally found out from her. Right. Uh, okay. So in any case, to summarize it all up, it probably goes back to that old old language for a, a, a British coin, a caser. That, that is so interesting. So yes. now you know, a case quarter is a whole coin. I really appreciate that help. I, I, you know, I had known that, but I was going, you know, I have never heard of this before. And then when I heard this program, that was the first thing that came to my mind. I'll <laughs> well, find out what this is all about. Thank you for giving us a ring, and good luck on the road, okay? Take care of yourself. Right. Thank you. Drive you have a nice holiday. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, do you have a story about the word that you grew up speaking, and then you moved to another part of the country, and nobody knows what you're talking about? Call us and talk about it, one 929 or send an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, Grant. I'm Susan Moody, and I'm from the Adirondack Mountains in New York State. Hi, Susan. Hi, Susan. Welcome to the program. Uh, hi. Hi, Martha. Hiya. What's going on? <laughs> well, I have a question about an expression um, that I apparently use. I hadn't realized I'd used it until it was pointed out, Uh is look it. And usually it is used as kind of an instruction or a warning before I'm about to hold forth with some information. (laughs) So uh, I was wondering if it might be um, an influence of Canada, uh, the French Canadians, or possibly 
um, an Irish influence because I'm from a, um, a family of Irish people. Mm-hmm. And you've used this all your life, and it was just recently pointed out to you? Is that well, right? you know, I must have been, but I hadn't uh, even noticed it. Uh, my husband had pointed it out to me, and um, after he did, I noticed that some family members used it. And it's it's used um, as an imperative, you know? It's like, look it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you how it is. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I, I'm just wondering if it's regional. Mm-hmm. Your husband didn't grow up there? No, my husband is from England. Ah, I see. I and see. Um, he's he's a bit of a nitpicker with a word usage. Uh-huh. So what happened the first time you said that to him? Well, I think it wasn't the first time that he said something. It was probably after, you know, a few times. He just pointed out that it's a strange kind of um, expression. Ah, oh, bless his heart. So he bit his tongue for a while. Before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they might say, see here. See here. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah that's, that's funny. I never heard this expression until I was in my 20s. What about you, Grant? Oh, yeah, definitely. Really? I, 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 yeah, I knew it in Missouri. Is I remember commenting on it. I remember it was, a, it was a way that you could make fun of certain kids who did use it. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> look it. Look it. Because always, they're always saying, look it. Look it. Look at this. Look at that. You're like, look it. It's, no, it's look. Yeah, I do tend to associate it more with kids. And I think of this wonderful Peanuts cartoon. I don't know if you ever saw this one, but uh, Charlie Brown's little sister keeps saying, look it, look it, look it. <laughs> and in the last frame, he says, okay, okay, I am looketing. <laughs> it's interesting. The earliest reference I see to it, just looking looking quickly, is um, is from a 1917 publication that's talking about look at used among school children for look. Mm-hmm. And and it notes that it's in northeastern Ohio and apparently recent. So maybe it's only been around for uh, a century or so. Mm. Uh, my son-in-law, who grew up in Thunder Bay in Canada, said that he heard it when he was growing up. Oh, really? Up. Uh, really? Yeah, so um, I, that's why I thought maybe the Canadian kind of mm-hmm. thing drifted down because we're we're pretty close to the Canadian border. Right, right. So, so uh, Martha, do you think that it's a it's a form of look at? That doesn't yes. really make sense either. Is it? Oh, okay. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Look at this. Yeah. So yeah. we've kind of clipped off the this and just left look at. And kind so of... it's more like look at rather than look at? Well, I don't know that we can say for sure, but that makes sense to me. I feel like it probably arose from the language of children. Uh-huh, and awesome. and that's why it's um, an imperative kind of a thing. They want attention and want them to pay attention. Yeah, look it, look it. But yeah. I, I would say it's definitely more northern than southern. Yeah. I didn't hear it my whole life. Well, look at Susan. We're delighted that you called. Well, thank you. Thank Bye. you so much, Susan. Lot, Take care of yourself. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Ring-a-ding Dillo, give us a call with your questions about language, one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three. And we're waiting for your words of the year and words of the decade nominations. You can send them to words at waywardradio.org. Don't go away. There's much more to come right here on Away with Words. You're listening to Away with Words. I'm Martha Barnett. And I'm Grant Barrett. Writer and journalist Olivia Judson has an interesting question. Does speaking certain languages automatically make us feel certain emotions? Writing in the New York Times, she explains her thinking. First, we know that forcing ourselves to smile can actually make us feel happy. Right, Martha? Right, right. So it just, just try it right now. Draw your lips back into a smile. Kind of exaggerate it. You really like put on a fake smile. Hold it for a few <laughs> seconds. Yeah, and you giggle, right? Yeah. You do. Yeah. You can't help it. And part of it is because you're making a silly face, but part of it is there's some influence there. Your body is influencing your, your thinking and your brain and your emotions. And the opposite is also true. If you put on a frown, Try it. Go ahead, scowl. Oh, I can stop the smiling now? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can. Right. Put on the full Scrooge. Okay. It's like, you know, like, you know, furrow your <laughs> Go brow. Go away, little and, kids. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. Get off I my mean, lawn. You, oh, now you're laughing. No, but if, uh, if you did it in earnest, if you really tried to make yourself feel sad or grumpy, you could do it by yeah. putting on a really just terrible frown. And then if you hold that long enough, you should feel just basically evil. <laughs> now, yep. yeah, her theory that. is, and this is just a theory, it's a question she threw out there because she couldn't find an answer. Olivia Judson wants to know, since some languages have more sounds that kind of force your face into sm- kind of smiles, right? Certain vowels will draw the lips back in a way that's kind of like a smile. Does that language then mean that you would be happier? 
speaking that language, would it make you feel more up about life? And the opposite, too. If there's a language that has sounds that lend themselves to making kind of, you know, make you kind of make frowny faces, Mm -hmm. would that language make you feel sad more often? It's an interesting question. Yeah, it is. It's a pretty sweeping idea, don't you think? I mean, I mean, just <laughs> it, just because you use a lot of umlauts doesn't mean that you're Well, there Scrooge. we go. I, and that's why she proposes it. She doesn't she she's not trying to say this is the case. She's asking the question mm-hmm. because we we have research and Malcolm Gladwell has done a great New Yorker piece that kind of summarizes up this research on. We know that the composition of your face, if you willfully change your face into a smile, you can improve your mood. And so if I'm making a lot of like E sounds, mm-hmm. like cheese or me or whatever, mm-hmm. does that mean my, you know, my face is kind of smile-like? Mm-hmm. Does that mean mm-hmm. I'm going to be happier? I don't know. It's, a, it's something I'd like to see studied. Yeah, it's a really intriguing question. I know that um, I don't speak a whole lot of Brazilian Portuguese, but I think it has to be the sexiest language on the planet because you have all these ooh sounds where you're puckering up. It's like you're puckering up to kiss, you know, <laughs> a gostoso. The <language> <laughs> first lear- word I learned in Portuguese was gostoso, which means delicious. I mean, it's just, oh. you know, so you have all those that all that vibrating at the front mm-hmm. of your mouth and the puckering and, and I don't know, I, I think you do feel kind of sexy when you... I, I think her speculation is interesting. We'll link to her article, her blog entry, actually, on the New York Times website, as well as her follow-up, and the thousands of comments from people who had something to say on this. And I'll also dig up that Malcolm Gladwell article where he just kind of summarizes the research about the influence of one's emotions um, when one changes one's face. Do you have a language that makes you feel happy when you speak it or one that makes you feel sad? Is it something that it does to your face? Is it the connotations of the words you use, or maybe it's the people you speak it with? Give us a call, one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or tell us about it in email to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Emma Stelm calling from Indianapolis, Indiana. Hi, Emma. Welcome to the program. Hi, Emma. Hi, thanks. Um, my question today is, um, whenever I'm out to eat with my granny, it doesn't matter who we're with, if we're with my dad or my brothers, um, when we're with the whole group and the waitress or waiter says, how are you guys doing? She gets really upset and she says, um, take another look, or she says she won't respond to that, and she um, is hoping for them to address her in a different way. And for the past few years, my, I've always had this argument that... Um, in Spanish, if there's a group of, like, 100 girls but one guy, they use the masculine plural form. Mm-hmm. And so my argument is that I, I understand it's a sexist uh, language, but it's just what everyone uses. And so you guys have arguments about this, you and your grandmother? Uh, yes. <laughs> well, Emma, this is a dilemma. The, the difficulty <laughs> here is this. Um, uh, looking to another language for rules of your own language is, is not necessarily going to get you anywhere good. So... Just, no. so, so the Spanish argument's <laughs> interesting, and clearly you're learned in that area, but it doesn't really apply here. But let me suggest, and Martha, I think you know what I'm going to say. Let, mm, let, us su- let us suggest another tact. The okay. next time it happens, next time it happens, why don't you just say, right on, Grandma, you tell them. <laughs> why, why don't you just back her play? Just like go, just like stick up for her. Say, say excuse, excuse me, you know, waitress or waiter, whatever your name is. Um, hello, we're female. How about you say gentlemen and ladies, or you gal, guys and gals, or you all? See what see what happens. I bet your grandma will be shocked and pleased that you're just supporting her and Emma, taking what her do side. You think she's about eighty. That? She's eighty two. She's eighty two. <laughs> let her have it. Let her have the argument and the rant. Just let her win. <laughs> so you don't think that's such a good idea? Um, well, I always think I'm right, so... Yeah, yeah, well, I... Well, well, that's another thing you could tell her. You you should say, Granny, you know what? I got my hard head from you. I just want you to know that. Oh, that's kind of nice. I just, you know, you haven't changed my mind at all. I can see your point of view, but you haven't changed my mind at all. So uh, two hard-headed ladies here arguing about the same thing. Let's just have another dessert. Yeah, okay. I like that one better. Do you? Okay, there we go. Well, and here's a third option. Is is moving to the south a possibility? Well, we're going to visit Alabama this weekend. Oh, so. well, maybe you could just, you know, look for a place to live there, and then everybody will say, how y'all doing? And it won't make a Yeah, make... I mean, when, when we're at restaurants, she'll say that she prefers that over guys. 
Oh, uh-huh. does she know? Uh-huh. That's good. That's, That's good. interesting. I mean, I understand where she's coming from. If it doesn't matter, then why shouldn't the the waitress come up to a table full of men and address them as you gals, right? I mean, that's <laughs> that's where she's coming from. I understand that. Well, Emma, good luck. Let us know how it goes. Yeah, do do send us an email and let us know what your what your grandmother says when you try one of these other other approaches. Yeah, just shake things up a little bit and see what happens and let us know, okay? All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you Take for care. calling. Take care of yourself, Emma. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, if you have a dispute in your family, we'd love to hear about it. If it has to do with language, give us a call, 1-877-929-9673, or send those emails to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, um, I'm Sean, and I'm from San Diego. Hello, Sean. Welcome. Hi, Sean. Hey, Martha. Hey, Grant. Uh, I've recently been noticing that on a lot of reality TV shows, uh, I hear this phrase, and... They always, it's like when they confront another one of the players for having kind of, uh, I don't, doomed them to failure um, in front of the judges. And the phrase is, I always hear them say, why'd you throw me under the bus like that? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Is this a reality show involving buses or islands? No, no. I, I, usually, I watch a lot of uh, Hell's Kitchen, and it's used on that show like every time. Oh, really? Yeah, and and I've seen it on a couple other shows, and I guess um, my question was, is well, there had to have been some sort of like origin of that, and every time I look it up, all it does is just show its different uses, which are basically, why'd you screw me over? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I just don't, I, I just don't see it as a very like reliable way to do in your company, like your com- comrade, you know? <laughs> there are better ways to. to... To, to make somebody, somebody fail. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's yeah. like there's better a ways. Knife, a gun, like poison. A, yeah, it doesn't seem like the logical means to an end. And so I figured there must have been some sort of like point when it happened. And I tried looking it up, but I couldn't find it. So I guess that's what I was wondering about. Yeah. So where'd that buzz come from, Grant? It's a good question. The strongest theory that I know of, Sean, is that it comes from the world of traveling shows, traveling teams, and traveling concerts. These are people who spend a great deal of time on the bus. And there's a saying, you'll find it again and again in the the memoirs of people who um, used to do road tours or still do. They always say, um, be on the bus or under it. And and huh. so this is this is like a mantra because like if they do a truck stop, you know, you've got a set amount of time to use the bathroom and get a snack and get back on the bus or you will be left behind and you will pay your own airfare or, or taxi fare to catch up with the bus. Hmm. It's a it's constantly a problem. You know, there's always some hapless character on these on these these tours, there's always somebody who gets left in Des Moines, you know. There oh, are don't somewhere. I know it? I used there's... to be in a band with four other women, and those rest stops took forever. <laughs> so, and that's the other thing. Yeah, a rest stop. If you just you set a time limit, and you're on the bus, and the bus goes, and they don't wait for anyone except the driver. Of course, the rule is do whatever the driver does. Of course, and so the strongest idea is that it came from the world of sports where this is particularly important because they do a, they do a lot more traveling actually if you can believe it than than most say Broadway shows that are taken out or most big concert kind of band music shows that are taken out and through that way it started to be picked up in the language of sportscasters who of course use it on the air and of sports writers who use it in their writing and in that way it got spread to the general population and it really caught fire just a few years ago uh, I started noticing it everywhere and so i did a little dictionary entry for it and um and provided my research to some other people who in turn wrote about it and then as you mentioned it's still i still hear it on the occasional television show when i watch television i still hear it in news reports i still hear it in uh, discussions of politics and even in personal conversations people will mention it so do you think throw me under the bus is jump the shark i mean it seemed like we (laughs) were hearing it so much in the last couple of years yeah, do do I think that throw me under the bus is is tired? Yeah, it's a little tired, but we'll see if it's got legs. It may it may it may echo the distance, Martha. <laughs> All these people out there are thinking tired legs puns. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, that was pretty fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey. I am the please, buddy. <laughs> Sean, we really appreciate your calling. Oh, great! Thanks. It was it was enlightening. Okay, yeah, we that's love the, that. that's the best that we can hope for. <laughs> okay, great. Thanks for catching you on the flip-flop. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What are you hearing on the television shows today? Something mystifying? Something weird? Something strange? Some new slang? 
Call us about it, one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or send an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hi, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Ryan Schoenberg calling from Dallas, Texas. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. How you doing? Great. Um, I'm calling in in regards to a word my grandmother used to use. The word that she used to use um, was paddywhacker. She used to carry around a funny thing in her purse, and that was a washcloth in a little plastic baggie. And uh, with us kids, uh, our hands would inevitably get dirty throughout the day. And um, she would often say, show me your paddywhackers. And uh, we would then extend our hands, and she would take her washcloth and, uh, and wipe them. And so I was just wondering, uh, is there an origin for this word paddywhacker? You know, I've heard it in, in use uh, with regard to, like, paddy wagon or something like that, uh, but I never heard it used uh, other than by my grandmother. And her background is what? She's American? Um, she was born in the U.S. Um, she's of Irish descent. She's from where? Is she from Texas as well? She's from Texas as well. She's, she was born and raised in uh, Houston, Texas. Okay, okay. Okay. You know, it is. It is. It's not the most common use of the word paddywhacker, but there, there are some records and some dictionary entries that show that it has been used to mean hand by other people, and it's kind of a complicated and convoluted story that I'm going to simplify you for you. Um, you mentioned paddy wagon, and I think it's related to paddy wagon. And just to clarify here, paddy is an offensive term for an Irishman. So paddy wagon meaning rounding up. Yeah, Irishmen the, who are yeah the wagon trouble. that you put yeah you'd, exactly you put the Irishmen who are causing fights and brawls and oh, okay. throw them into the wagon and take them down to the tank or the cooler for the night and then let them out in the morning. In any case, okay. Hugh Rawson in his Wicked Words he talks about the way that the the Irish word paddy has been uh, turned into other words, and he talks about the paddy wagon, but he also mentions that paddy whack was used to mean a stout Irishman or just any Irishman. And so what we've got here is a weird kind of occurrence of whack just suddenly appearing and kind of being attached to Patty. Um, and I think the, the, the theory here that holds the most water is that the Irishmen in the United States who tended to um, be cops were known for beating the suspects in front of them. And so if you got hit by one of these cops, it was a literal Patty whack. And again, it's uh, well, the one that holds the most water. In any case, um, and he puts it this way, Hugh Rawson says, it's the kind of smack or whack an angry paddy might give you. Um, but also, in British English, a paddy whack is used to mean a hit or a spank or a strike or even a rage. Or if you're in a, in a fierce passion, that is also a paddy whack. And it's shortened often to paddy. And we kind of come full circle here. And so what we've got a kind of is a conversion where people who didn't quite know where paddy whack came from did what's called... Um, a back formation. Do you know what a back formation is, Ryan? No, I've never heard of that before. That's when we take a word and we look at it and we try to, to break it down into its component parts, but we kind of do it incorrectly. So people looked at paddywhack and said, hmm, that must mean that the a paddywhack is a whack by a paddy. And since you hit with your hand, people assumed that paddy meant hand and not an Irish person. So, okay. for what it's worth, there you have it. The idea is it ultimately does go back to being Patty and Irishman through this weird, convoluted history of, of all these different forms of Patty and Paddywhack and Paddywhacker. But when I've seen Paddywhack defined as a hand mm-hmm. um, in reference works, it's usually for little kids. That, yes, it is often for little kids, but you will find— you Or a, will ba- find, or a baby. Yes. The reference works, however, they've oversimplified. If you look in the historical record, you find plenty of uses of paddywhack to mean a hand for any type of person. Ah, okay. Later, maybe it became used for children, but uh, I think that you'll find plenty of uses of it for adults. Well, I hope that I've, I haven't confused matters too much, Ryan. No, not at all. I, I appreciate it, and I'm, I'm glad to have maybe even some new uh, ways to use the word as well. Thanks so much for giving Thanks. us a call. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you've got something Granny always said that you want to find out more about, we're the people who can help, one 929 And if you want to submit your words of the decade or words of the year, send them to words at waywardradio.org. Martha, how's you driving? It's not bad. Not, bad. not do you, bad. Do you drive like a Colin? 
Like a what? A Cullen. C-U-L-L-E-N. There are bumper stickers making their rounds. This is on my words of the year candidate list. Drive dr- like a Cullen. Yeah, to drive like a Cullen is to drive like a bat out of hell, literally. The Cullen family are the main characters in the, the Twilight Vampire book series. Oh, that's why I didn't Surely know. you've read them all. No. <laughs> you've seen the movies, right? No, no. I'm not a teenage girl. Come on. <laughs> Martha, Martha, Martha. <laughs> Drive like a Cullen. To huh? drive like a Cullen. I okay. drive like a Cullen means you drive very fast. Like I think it's fun. Like a bat out of hell. Nice. One of my other favorite word of the year candidates. This is kind of new. Arnold Schwarzenegger, governor of California. Goobernator. Yeah. <laughs> the goofinator. <laughs> the goofinator. Well, they were auctioning some stuff off earlier this year, and he did a video where he's like, there's this gigantic knife, then he's fingering the edge of this knife, and he's and so some people were criticizing him for his behavior in these videos because he's you know he's a star besides yeah. being the governor, right? Right. And if he signs right. this merch. It's going to sell for a lot of money. So that's what he did. And they auctioned it off and it benefited the state, so on. And then he got on, he got kind of up in arms because people were complaining that it wasn't befitting of a governor to be brandishing a knife in a video. It's a gigantic knife, too. You know, it was like my forearm. It was big. (laughs) And he said he wasn't an El Stiffo, meaning a colorless character. And so El Stiffo was one of my Word of the Year candidates. Yeah. Meaning that he wasn't some, like, cardboard cutout automaton (laughs) governor. He was somebody with some some life and some color. And and you know what? The man's absolutely right. For As far as a governor goes, he's a grade A performance. That's a five-star... A plus plus. He is what? no girly man. <laughs> he is no girly man. But hey, anyway. if it raised money, we can use it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if it'll raise some more word of the year candidates, that's great too. If you've got a word of the year or a word of the decade, and it can be a phrase, it doesn't have to be a single word. It can be a phrase of the year. Send it along to words at waywardradio.org or give us a ring on the telephone, one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or send it to Twitter at username wayward. That's our show for this week. If you didn't get on the air today, you can leave us a message anytime. That number is 1-877-929-9673. Or email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org. Or you can follow us on Twitter at the username wayward. Stephanie Levine is our senior producer. Our technical director is Mark Kirshner. And our editor is Tim Felton. We've had production help this week from Josette Herdell and Jennifer Powell. From Studio West in San Diego, I'm Martha Barnett. And from San Francisco, I'm Grant Barrett. Thanks to Howard Gelman for engineering our show from the studios of KQED Radio with assistance from Danny Bringer. So long. Bye-bye. Potato, potato, tomato, tomato.